Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Golazo. We have Roger Gonzalez to break down Conmebol World Cup South American qualifiers. And Jonathan Johnson, JJ, returns to talk about the Nations League and the teams that finally made it to the European Championships. Stay right here because here we go. And Roger is one of the only people at CBS that I can just deeply, passionately just go on and on about Conmebol South American World Cup qualifiers. It's not an insult to anybody, all right? It's just the facts, okay? So, Roger, uh, since I have you, let's talk about Conmebol as we see it on Tuesday. We have some big games. It's always big games in this continent with uh, starting off with Venezuela hosting Chile, Ecuador hosting Colombia in the early kickoffs. Then at 6 p.m. Eastern, we have Paraguay hosting Bolivia, a huge one, Uruguay hosting Brazil. And it ends it all with Peru hosting Argentina. Some big games. And just to recap everybody in terms of the standings, Brazil remains perfect right now, three out of three with nine points. Argentina got that draw against Paraguay. Paraguay continued their amazing uh, run in Buenos Aires where they haven't lost since 1973. So they have seven points. Ecuador in third place with Uruguay in uh, fourth. And then it goes down to Paraguay, Chile, Colombia, Peru, and Venezuela and Bolivia continue without any points. From these games, let's begin. Let's go through each one real fast, I guess. Let's begin with Ecuador, Colombia. Uh, Roger, super talented teams, both of them, but both also kind of vulnerable defensively. And again, I think the weather... The location, Quito, will be a factor here. How do you see this one? Yeah, I think it should be a, a lot of fun. I think there's, like you said, two teams that defensively uh, have some issues. We could see uh, quite a high-scoring game, which obviously Colombia has been been a part of uh, recently. And I think, you know, Ecuador is a team that, you know, sitting in third place, you know, no one really thought, it's early still, but would, they would be in this position, obviously had that really good win. Uh, over Uruguay uh, and their coach Gustavo Alfaro is someone who I've known for a long time and, and speaking with him recently you know he's been really excited by what he's seen he's been surprised kind of at you know how well this team has come together so quickly you know he came in late to the process right before uh, kind of qualifying started not you know he hasn't had a whole lot of time to uh, to build this team and you know, I think, you know, for him having his first experience, uh, you know, when it comes to a national team, he's someone who's always been able to, to do more with less. Uh, we saw that with Arsenal de Sarandí winning, you know, the Argentina uh, first division in the past. He won a Copa Sudamericana there, beating America of Mexico. And so he's someone who knows how to uh, grind out those results. And I think, you know, when it comes to it, you know, come, you know, the 2022 World Cup, I think, they will be close. I think they'll certainly stay in contention to qualify. And, you know, we've seen their national team, their youth national teams and the talent that they have. And I think it's a nation that's on the rise. And, you know, Colombia won't be easy, but we've seen some inconsistencies from Colombia. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ecuador wins it. Yeah, it should be a good game. Let's not forget that this is exactly how Ecuador started in the Russia qualifiers as well, so well. And then suddenly after the break, they flopped. But hopefully for the sake of that country, because they're so talented, that won't happen this time around. Uh, well, Venezuela, Chile, uh, very quickly. I mean, Venezuela need that win. 
Uh, Chile is just tricky, just, you know, with uh, Reynaldo Rueda bringing in all the old school people. Uh, you know, they got that uh, big win against Peru. Arturo Vidal, uh, once again, uh, with two goals there, one of them a ridiculous finish, unstoppable. But they travel to Venezuela. Venezuela need this win. Uh, how do you see it? Very quickly, Roger. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, two more teams that have had some defensive issues and, and Chile really, you know, going with those Asian players uh, in the midfield and in attack. So I could see that one going either way, certainly. But when you look at Venezuela, three matches, no goals. Uh, it's hard to see, you know, them them finding that, that scoring touch. I think Soteldo will be important. He's a really good player who needs to uh, be a bit sharper uh, in the attacking third. All right, we'll quickly skip as Paraguay, Bolivia. Apologies to both. I feel like Paraguay will take this one at home. Uh, I don't. I just start whenever Bolivia. It's tough for Bolivia when they play at home in La Paz uh, with that 12th man away from home. It's even trickier. Uh, let Let's talk about the two big ones: Uruguay, Brazil. Finally, Uruguay did something that they haven't done in a very. Actually, they've never done it which is when in Barranquilla, they beat Colombia. So now they host Brazil, who's perfect right now. Huge game, huge game. Uh, talk to me about this one. Yeah, it, it's certainly the, the game of the week, uh, I think, when it comes to any national team matchup. So should really you know, be a lot of fun. You've seen Uruguay you know, playing with, with Suarez and Cavani. It feels like you know, 2014 all over again, but they're still the guys up top. Uh, you know, they both changed clubs. They both scored lately. Uh, you know, I think it's a game that obviously for Brazil, uh, will be quite tricky whenever they get together. I think it's certainly going to be physical, emotional. Uh, and we'll see if Brazil can overcome, you know, some of the absences they have. But, uh, you know, I, I could see Uruguay, uh, you know, being the team that, that makes Brazil drop points for the first time in the competition. Yeah, this one could be a sneaky draw, I feel. A sneaky draw, I think. But ending it all with Peru, my Peru against Argentina. Um, just for listeners' sake, uh, due to the huge uh, political unrest right now in Peru, at this moment, the game's still happening, but, you know, keep your eye on it. Uh, just there's so much going on in my beautiful country right now that we don't know yet uh, if, if for certain if this game's going to go on. But as we speak, it should be happening. Um, but regardless, football aside, it's a big one. Peru losing uh, against Chile, defensively looking a little bit weak. They can always score goals, but, you know, escaping with a point against Paraguay, then losing to Brazil, then Chile. To me, this is really a must win. Uh, but Argentina, uh, you know, second in the table, Roger, but they haven't been great. Uh, it's not like they've been imposing. How do you see this one? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think if I were you, I, I would feel pretty confident in, uh, in Peru doing something in this one. And, you know, I think part of that is because, you know, you think of Argentina, you think of all the players they've had in the past and they currently have Messi, but this is a team, you know, with seven points that haven't been convincing uh, at all in, in any of the games. I think they've been quite mediocre and, and quite fortunate to have won two of them. So, you know, it's really a team that when you watch them play, you know, Scaloni doesn't have really a whole lot of experience. Uh, I think that shows with some of his selections, um, you know, looking at the team and, and, and how they play in attack, it's just so often drop Messi back, give the ball to him and hope he can do something. And it's just so predictable at this point that I expect them to continue to, to struggle when it comes to just their play and attack. And, you know, they've been able to grind out results, but this is far and away from, uh, you know, an Argentina team that is a, a top contender. And you know, I think someone who we'll see in this match that could make a difference is Lo Celso of Tottenham. Uh, you know, he's someone who came in off the bench against Paraguay, got an assist on a quarter kick, set up a goal for Messi that was called back uh, through VAR, but someone who looks really lively and looks really comfortable. Uh, I think he'll play in this match and I think he can make a difference, but I don't go into this match expecting Argentina to win it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult, but we will see as the Conmebol 
uh, roller coaster continues and ends on Tuesday, definitely for 2020. See, this is why I love having Roger on because we can talk about the US, we can talk about any other league and also include South America. Roger, always good to have you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, man. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kego Lasso Pod. We have our friend Jonathan Johnson, JJ, joining us again from Paris. How are you, bud? Hey, very well, thanks. And you, great to be back on finally. I know, I know. It's great. Well, it's here. It's almost finished, uh, at least for 2020. Nations League, uh, despite of what you think of the tournament, some really good fixtures, some good talented teams. Uh, let's break it down. Let's talk about the biggest talking points, uh, JJ, beginning, I guess, with England against Belgium, uh, despite a pretty good performance, in thought, I thought, especially from our boy Jack Grealish, Belgium wins a 2 nothing, meaning that England, uh, you know, their chances of, uh, you know, winning uh, their group is over. Uh, how did you see it? Yeah, obviously slightly disappointing for England, considering that they got to the last stages last uh, in the last edition, uh, finished third. They won't get the chance to better that this time, uh, you know. But I, I think it, there's mixed feelings about the about the results. Yeah, if if England had played better in that first half, perhaps they could have come away with a draw and kept things alive for the final round of matches. Uh, but I, you know, I think that it's encouraging at least to see Gareth Southgate experimenting, giving chances to new blood uh, like Jack Greenish because you know Greedish is the guy that everyone's talking about right now after his performance uh, you know it was a very impressive showing from him on a night when there weren't too many uh, impressive performances uh, on the England side you know I'd say that that, that logic was was followed with the, the uh, with the results uh, Yuri Tiedemann's uh, Dries Mertens grabbing the goals uh, obviously things could have been a bit different if Harry Kane had managed to score and uh, Lukaku hadn't managed to clear it off the line uh, but it, I think it was, for, for me, I think what Southgate was doing with experimentation, trying out new combinations, is for me what the, the Nations League should be for the, the bigger nations. Uh, it's just a shame that we haven't seen that all the way through uh, from the start of the group stage, because there's a lot of countries, I mean, I've spoken about it before from a French point of view, who could benefit from such a rotation and experimentation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, as we look as League A, I guess the top teams of uh, each group make it through. So, you know, aside from France, let's get into France because France is really the only one. We'll get into it in the others in a second. But France uh, uh, leading group three ahead of Portugal, Croatia and Sweden with 13 points. How did you see France uh, the past game, obviously, and the one coming up? I saw 
an improved France against Portugal. I mean, let's not forget that awful result in the friendly against Finland uh, a couple of days before losing 2-0 at home with basically what you could call the C-string side. Uh, really, it was you know not even a reserve team with the exception of a, of a few stars like Paul Pogba, who you know is looking a shadow of himself at club level at the moment. So I think it was a much improved display from the French. They were more disciplined. Uh, Deschamps will be pleased with that. You know, I don't think there's too much importance attached to finishing top of the group for France, uh, you know, but to perform well against Portugal home and away, uh, you know, they'll feel happy with that, particularly the fact that they managed to get that uh, win away from home. And Goro Conte, uh, you know, so often the undersung hero for this French national team coming up big, providing the goal. But there were some very uh, impressive performances elsewhere. Martial was unlucky, came up against an inspired Rui Patrizio. Uh, but, you know, Griezmann, you know, dug deep and, and was very unselfish in his play. Uh, and I thought Presno Kimpembe uh, did an excellent job in, uh, in central defence. And had he not been uh, able to, to challenge Cristiano Ronaldo in the air, perhaps Portugal would have gotten at least a draw uh, and France wouldn't have been topping the group and, and going through through but you know I think it was uh, from a French point of view it's a result that they needed even if uh, you know they're not taking the Nations League too seriously uh, after that uh, humbling at home to to Finland which really was a a dreadful performance but I you know my attention is more on some of the the other groups at the moment because everything's you know quite finely poised you look at the group with Italy uh, and the Netherlands and Poland in it and you know now that Frank de Boer's finally off the mark uh, for the Dutch with a with a win as coach uh, you know I'm looking forward to seeing how that one pans out yeah Italy has nine points Netherlands eight Poland seven so the race for the top of that group uh, is definitely up for grabs and also as you mentioned in the England group as well Belgium uh you know, looks good. Uh, they'll be playing Denmark, though. So the winner of that one will top that group. Then when you look into group four, that's a really tasty one. You got Germany, Spain, Ukraine, Germany with nine points, Spain with eight, Ukraine with six. And then uh, Austria and Norway. But I believe maybe Austria has it just because of head to head. We'll see about that. And then Scotland, Czech Republic in uh, group two. Uh, any other talking points just from this? Uh, Nations League, um, you know, as we look ahead, I guess, to the final day of 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the the sort of the other big takeaway was that Dutch victory uh, under Frank de Boer. It had been such a slow start for them. I watched the the friendly in Amsterdam against Spain last week. Uh, you know, and they, they, it didn't really fill you with too much confidence coming into the these final matches. You know, the Dutch looked very uh labored uh okay they you know they got some chances but it it wasn't as vibrant a match uh, as i expected it to be in a minute okay there's been a lot said about uh friendlies being played at this moment in time for for obvious reasons with the the covid crisis uh you know and some of the mess that's followed i mean we've seen the the republic of ireland team getting themselves into all sorts of situations with that at the moment. Uh, but, you know, I think the, the, the Dutch really needed that result. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a positive performance. There were a number of uh, big showings as well. Uh, you had Wijnaldum chipping in with a couple of goals. Memphis got himself from the score sheet as well. Denzel Dumfries uh, chipping in with a few assists. And I think that the Dutch really needed that because De Boer had made, uh, going into that match against Bosnia, the worst start uh, to, a, to a national coaching tenure uh, in the in the 
Dutch Football Federation's history. So he really needed to 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 get that monkey off his back, uh, you know. And we'll see if they can now uh, manage to, to to pull off a result in the final round of matches uh, and, and manage to to top the group. But like I said, it's you know it's a very open group. We saw uh, Italy winning two 0 uh, against Poland, and that's really set this one up nicely. It wasn't the wasn't the most impressive of showings uh, from from the Italians. Managed to to get through with a uh, with a penalty and a late goal, but it, you know I don't think there's too many of the really big European nations who are taking this that seriously at the moment. Uh, like I said, it's a it, it should be a good opportunity for a lot of these teams to to experiment. Uh, you know, the similar to the way that we've seen Spain approach things. Uh, you know, but also in their group, you've got Germany, who now that they've managed to work out how to win these games in the Nations League uh, look like they're coming on strong. So at least it's something to look forward to from this uh, last round of matches that some of these teams still have something to play for uh, instead of it uh, just being a dead rubber. Yeah, absolutely. And as, and as always is the case, sometimes it's better to just wait when the, you know, knockout, you know, or at least the playoff situation, when those top teams from League A make it to the final part. And as you mentioned, the Netherlands has to play Poland. And if they win and Italy loses then, you know, we're looking at an interesting result. Finally, JJ, uh, there was other stuff because, you know, the international break is just kind of insane. It's like everywhere. Uh, but the final playoff winners uh, finally complete all the members, uh, all the teams that will make be part of the Euros uh, in the Euros 2020, obviously uh, being played in 2021 uh, due to coronavirus. But we have four teams, Hungary, North Macedonia, Slovakia and Scotland. Uh, any thoughts from that? Uh, so good to see Scotland back in the European Championship for so long uh, after 22 years, I believe, right? Yeah, phenomenal stuff. I was at school the last time uh, Scotland went to an international tournament, France 1998. I remember that very well. Uh, coming home from school just in time to see, uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but it was an own goal against Brazil in the opening match of that World Cup. Uh, unfortunately, that set the tone for the remainder of their tournament. But but Scotland are one of those countries. I mean, they've, they've suffered a lot over the last couple of years, you know, had their fair share, more than their fair share uh, of heartbreak. But when they're able to go to these big international tournaments. The following that they bring, the colour uh, that they add to these spectacles is, is just phenomenal. I mean, people still speak today in France about the way that the Welsh uh, and the two sets of Ireland supporters represented their teams during Euro 2016. And I think if fans are able to attend, uh, you know, next summer, wherever it might be, because there's a lot of debate at the moment as to where the tournament's going to be held, if it's going to be held in one country. Uh, there's been Russia mentioned, there's been the UK mentioned now. Uh, we'll see what happens, but wherever the, this tournament takes place, if fans are allowed to travel, you know that the, the Scottish will travel uh, in their droves. And, you know, it was so dramatic the way that, that, that things finished with the penalty shootout, having to check VAR to see if uh, the, the penalty would need to be retaken or not. And, uh, you know, just fantastic scenes afterwards, uh, listening to that absolute banger of a tune from uh, Bacara. So it's, it, it really is one of the feel good stories of this international break. And there haven't been many, uh, you know, so it's fantastic to see uh, them advancing. Hungary as well, you know, a, a fallen giant of European football. We saw them briefly uh, come back into the spotlight when they reached Euro 2016 and were neutrals favorites for, for about five minutes. Uh, but, you know, the, the story that individual, one of the individual stories of European football so far this season, particularly in the Champions League, has been Dominic Zabozalai. So if you were to put money 
coming into this international break on someone to come up big in one of the, the, the competitive matches, I think Zawazalai would be close to the top of that list, uh, you know, and for him to be able to send his country to the Euros in the way that he did with that phenomenal late strike was, was just incredible. And I mean, you look at the outpouring of joy, uh, you know, from the, the Hungary players and staff uh, in an empty stadium. It was, you know, it was really, really heartwarming and quite, quite cool for me as well to, to see with, um, uh, you had uh, Loic Nego uh, scoring the other goal. He's a, a, a Frenchman who's opted to to represent Hungary. So that's you know another really really nice story hidden in this uh, international break. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hungary uh, returning, uh, you know, to or at least waking up is great. And I've just been a fan of Don- Dominic's. I was like so for so long. He's going to be a great talent to watch in the tournament in Scotland. And just to uh, echo. What JJ said, that uh, 2-1 win for Brazil, that was Tom Boyd in the 73rd minute, the own yeah. goal in 98. Uh, but the most important part that you mentioned was Yes Sir, I Can Boogie by Baccarat, which, by the way, has re-entered the music charts a number three, apparently, in the UK. To be honest, it's a travesty that it ever fell out because it's such a great tune. <laughs> absolute tune and if you don't know what we're talking about please i beg you to just you know go into scotland's uh locker room dressing room after that game and just how they sang it absolutely amazing jonathan johnson so good to have you and he will be back obviously even more as uh domestic competition the champions league and europa returns jj thanks so much once again my friend looking forward to it thanks for having me on and man like jack I want to thank Roger Gonzalez and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Stay tuned to Kegolasso Pod because we have so much more. Follow us on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And make sure that you stay tuned because much, much more is coming up. Have a great day. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 